What up, everybody? You're now tuned into the true definition of a sports fanatic. I'm your host, Brandon Lampley, and we're here on a Wednesday evening, August 7th, 2019. I want to make sure I put my dates in so you guys know, you know, when I record it, if it, that's important to you. But by my topics and, you know, what I talk about, you could really kind of date when I recorded it and when I talked about it. But anyway, we're going to jump right into some NFL football. NFL is here, guys. Oh, my goodness, it's here. I just, oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I just want to hit a clack of the helmets and the pads, man. It's like I love watching um, Ravens, um, America's Game, when they talk about the 2000 Ravens Super Bowl. And uh, Ray Lewis talks about the big hit. And, you know, he just, the way he describes it, he's like, man, the big hit just, it just changes the whole dynamic of the game. It just, just give you chills. And that, that's what I want to see. I cannot wait. It's like that first chill in the air you get when fall comes around and you know real football weather is right around the corner. Because I don't know where you are currently listening to this, but I'm in Florida. And in Florida, it's hotter than a fat man in a sweatsuit with ghost pepper and sriracha sauce in his back pocket at a buffet. So let's dive into some of these NFL stories. Like right now, the only thing being talked about on any network, and they talk about them all the time, and you would think they won six Super Bowls in the last 20 years, and they haven't, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I have Dallas Cowboy fatigue. I'm sick of Dak. I'm sick of Amari, and I'm sick of Zeke Elliott because that's all they're talking about. Jerry Jones coming out with that Southern drawl, you know, talking about, well, we'll get a deal done uh, for Ezekiel and, you know, all the – dude, it's just uh, – I'm, I'm sick of it. It's like that's all they talk about is the Cowboys. It's Cowboys and LeBron James. Like, I really don't know what Skip Bayless is going to talk about once LeBron has retired. He might as well go ahead and retire that day because everything he talks about, boom, it's out the window now. All his material is pretty much gone. The only thing he'll be able to talk about at that point is the Cowboys. But we're going to dive into some of these NFL stories. And, of course, with the Cowboys, you have you know, Dak, Zeke, and Amari are all up for contracts. Well, no, I take that back. Dak and Amari are up for new contracts. Ezekiel is holding out with two years left on his deal. And I, I told him, I understand where Zeke is coming from. Zeke, get your money. Now, Amari most likely is going to play out this season. And he'll eventually get paid. And, you know, Dak, of course, will eventually get paid. But the Cowboys are going to bend on Zeke Elliott because now his camp told him that he's not playing a down without a new contract. And so if he's willing to sit out and miss games, you got to come to the negotiation table. You have he's putting you in the bind. You have no choice, you know. And I've seen all the statistics and analytics and metrics about, you know, Dak and Amari being more valuable than Ezekiel Elliott, and how the running back has been devalued, and you know they can win without him, and Dak has improved, and all of this. I get all of that, and I agree with some of it, and I feel like they can put together a host of backs to get great production out of and still be a, you know, a good football team. But 
to do it on short notice, it, I don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen because now, I mean, you weren't, they're not prepared for this. They're not prepared for Ezekiel Elliott to sit out because who, who do you have on the roster? Well, I think they just signed Alfred Morris. And along with Alfred Morris, you have uh, Darius Jackson, uh, Jordan Chun, uh, and then two rookies, Tony Pollard and Mike Weber Jr. from Ohio State. That's not going to get it done. They're not going to match what Ezekiel Elliott is going to give you, even combined. Because Alfred Morris is, you could say he's over the hill. I mean, Darius Jackson, Jordan Chun, and Tony Pollard, Mike Weber, they, they're, unex, they're inexperienced. I mean, the most experienced one is Darius Jackson, and I've literally never heard of Darius Jackson until I just read his name on the Cowboys roster. It is what it is. But I digress. Enough Cowboys talk. I mean, there are talking points, so, you know, you kind of got to talk about them. You know, you know it, it is what it is, man. I wasn't happy about it. Now, on to Raiders wide receiver Antonio Brown. He has a for currently has a foot injury, well, both his feet injury that's um, holding him out of training camp. And you know, initially I'm like, oh, it's a foot injury. You know, he'll be back, whatever. But as the, as the days have gone on, the story has gotten stranger and weirder as time has gone on. About you know about the injury, how it occurred, and what it is, and how long it's going to hold him out. So apparently he's dealing with frostbitten feet. Now he tweeted out a picture of his feet um, the other day, and his feet you can see like the dead skin on the bottom of his feet, and it was like all yellow and like coming off and all crusty. And I was like, just oh yeah, because he didn't supposedly he didn't wear proper footwear in a cryotherapy machine, so now his feet are frostbitten. And it sounds hilarious. It sounds serious to a certain extent. And it sounds like there's much to do about nothing. All at the same time. It's very perplexing. But Ian Rappaport has reported that Antonio is day-to-day. And, of course, he has about a, what, a month before the season starts. So I tend to believe he'll be there for week one and be ready to go. Now on to my guys. Jacksonville Jaguars who are currently in Baltimore doing joint practices with the Ravens leading up to their preseason game Thursday night and man I am very encouraged from what I've seen and heard coming out of those joint practices and just coming out of training camp period um, about Nick Foles and our wide receiver group because I've been very critical of our wide receiver group I was like it could be bottom five you can make an argument that it's a bottom five group, you know, in the league. But from all I've heard and people talk about them, that this group, you know, this could be a decent group. And, you know, I can understand that Blake Bortles made them look, could have made them look worse than they actually were. And in turn, they made Blake look worse than he probably actually is because they fumbled and dropped the ball more than anybody in the league last year. But I'm just excited to see Nick Foles with these guys. You know, D.D. West, they say D.D. Westbrook is going to, you know, explode this year. And I can see that coming a mile away. D.D. Westbrook is going to be 
great for the Jaguars next year. Barring injury, as long as he stays healthy, Didi might have a Pro Bowl year. That's what kind of year Didi is lined up for. Uh, also, Chris Conley has looked good. Um, DJ Charks looked good. Keelan Cole has looked good. And I'll tell you who hasn't looked good is the, the corner for the Baltimore Ravens, Jimmy Smith. Because every highlight I've seen of a wide receiver going over the top for a long touchdown, guess who was covering him? Jimmy Smith. But for the most part, offenses has really ruled the day um, as far as both uh, Baltimore and Jacksonville. I know with the Jacksonville defense, they've been missing some defenders. You got some guys hurt. And so they've been going against fourth and fifth corners. You know, to say they haven't really tried Jalen Ramsey, and I don't suggest that they do that. You know, say Josh Allen, you know, looks like a man, very big, strong, physical man. Um, now, one of the concerns is that now look like they're thin at linebacker because you just had a um, linebacker go down uh, with a season-ending injury. And you didn't have many to begin with anyway. You signed some guys, but, you know, they signed some guys that you know probably wasn't going to make the team. They just signed them for depth, depth going into training camp. And so now they're, you know, viable options. Guys look like they might have some playing time. You know, now you already have lost one. Um, you already have lost the rookie, uh, Quincy Williams, a third-round pick out of Murray State. Uh, he has a torn meniscus, so he's going to miss some time. And now time that's critical for his development um, to, you know, start the season. And this is where, man, we're going to miss Telvin Smith. I had people arguing with me that, oh, we want, we're not going to miss Telvin like that. You know, but, we, dude, come on. You're going to miss Telvin Smith. Oh, and also, I definitely can't forget Leonard Fournette. You know, I don't know. Well, you know, I won't say that. It is important. And um, I do like hearing good things about Leonard coming out of those two days because if I heard bad things, I would have a problem with it. But say he's dedicated, he's in great shape, he's focused, and he's ready to go. Um, he's catching the ball out of the backfield. And I think he's going to be a big part of the passing game this year because in years, you know, his first two years, they didn't really use him much in the passing game because they felt like, you know, his hands were better than advertised. I mean, he he not he's not Adrian Peterson trying to catch the football. His hands are better than advertised. Now, he's not, you know, Duke Johnson, but, you know, he can get it done. And he's going to be a great outlet for Nick Foles, who I think was number one in the NFL in quarterback rating when ten, at 10 yards or less. And so and that's using the backs and using tight ends. And so now for Leonard, Leonard, you just got to stay healthy, man. That's all. You have to stay healthy because he's talented. It's there. But he has to stay healthy and stay out of trouble. Now let's move a little north up in uh, Massachusetts. And this could be nothing. Could be something. Who knows? But, of course, Brady and the Patriots agreed to a two-year extension worth like $70 million. And, you know, when I originally saw it, I was like, oh, okay, I wonder, you know, how much the guarantees are because – you know, you see two years, 70 million people. Say, oh, 70 million. Nah, man, what is the guarantees? You know, how is it structured and blah, blah, blah. So really, when you really look at it, I mean, it's not really a raise because all they did was move money. 
um, to this year to where um, he'll make more money this season. And there are no guarantees, nothing, um, especially past this season. Now, one thing he did negotiate in there is that they can't uh, franchise tag him or transition tag him after this year is up. So essentially, what they're saying to me is is that they're taking they're taking this year by year. They want to see what forty two year old Brady looks like before they commit anything, you know, more. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be a yearly thing because they could have easily because he said he wanted to play till forty five. So they could have easily gave him a three-year deal, you know, with X amount of guaranteed money and put this to bed. But they didn't because you already know that. Well, I'll say you already know, but you should already know that Brady was on his way out of New England. He was. Belichick was ready to pull the trigger and move him out of New England and start fresh with Garoppolo. I think that was going to happen. The thing that stopped it from happening is the owner, Robert Kraft. Brady, you know, went to Robert Kraft, who, you know, and Brady's like a son to him, and, you know, he calls him Tommy. And every time I hear him say it, it just kind of makes me cringe because it's kind of creepy. But he went up there to talk to his um, dad, and, you know, dad got kid moved off the playground and shipped him off to another school so now Brady has no competition because oh you best believe he was threatened by Jimmy Garoppolo you can't I don't care what he says you can't tell me that he was not threatened by Jimmy Garoppolo because you can tell how much Belichick loved Jimmy G so now when they asked Brady about, you know, past this season and, you know, I guess his plans or, you know, what might happen, you know, Brady going to give you that podium talk answer. You know, hey, we're going to play this season, you know, see what happens afterwards. But do I believe that there's, poten- there's potentially he won't be in a Patriots uniform after this season, depending on how he plays? <laughs> I believe so. Because quarterbacks don't gradually decline usually they don't they usually fall off a cliff especially when they hit 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 that hit those late 30s and going into the 40s you usually fall off a cliff so when it comes it's gonna it's like Peyton Manning Peyton felt man whoa dude Peyton could barely throw the ball accurately over 30 yards looked like at times in Denver, their their last year in 2015, when they won the Super Bowl over the Panthers. Same with Brett Favre. Brett Favre fell off a cliff once he hit 40-41. So for Brady, dude, it's coming. You know, and who knows? You know, he got the TB12 method, and they even talk about elongating the muscles and pliability and things like that, and avocado ice cream. But you can only stave off father time for so long. Oh, and I can't forget, I heard today that him and his wife, they put their house on the market. Their house that's in Massachusetts. A $39 million mansion. I went and looked it up on Zillow. It's nice. It's real nice. But I wouldn't expect anything less. But I see that as I don't really buy into that because, hey, they could be looking to upgrade. It's like, yo, I'm tired of living in this 
$39 million mansion. We need to upgrade to a $109 million mansion. Now, could I see Brady playing for another team in another uniform? I mean, of course. Some of the greats, all-time greats, you know, did the same thing. Joe Montana, uh, Joe Namath, Peyton Manning. So, I mean, he's not above the cut. He's not. But I would think that if his play declined that much to where the Patriots were going to let him walk or trade him or whatever, I would think that at that point he'd probably leave the game because he can no longer contribute at a level, you know, that I guess he was proud of. Because he seems like he's one of those guys where, you know, he's going to play until the game takes him out kicking and screaming. But I'm sure that once he's no longer himself and, and is no longer able to play at a high level, he's going to hang him up. Now, about to switch topics. But, oh, before I forget, if you have not seen, it's a video going viral of former NFL running back Marshawn Lynch talking with one of the moms at his youth football camp. And, you know, they have a back and forth in exchange. And you know, I applaud Marshawn for the way he handled it. So to sum it up, the mom was upset for the way uh, Marshawn talked to her son uh, during one of the drills. And Marshawn was trying to, you know, he basically explained to her why he did what he did. And so, you know, in the midst of him um, talking to her, he asked her, is there a man here? Is there a man that I can talk to? And, of course, you know, she had issue. Well, why does there need, need to be a man here? You know, I'm his mom and all of that. But, you know, I think that was Marshawn, you know, being respectful and wanting to talk to a dad. Because being a former high school football coach, I'd much rather deal with the dads than the moms because there's just certain things that moms are not going to get and they're not going to understand for the most part. Now, some moms do. Some moms let you know, like, huh, he belonged to you. He act up. You, you jack him up. Um, he give you any lip. You let me know, and I'm going to beat him down, and he's going to be right back out here tomorrow. I love those moms. But then you have those moms where that's their baby. That's their that's their poo. And they don't want you talking to them or treating them, you know, any kind of way. But football is rough. Shit, life is rough. And they want to baby and coddle these boys. And Marshawn wasn't with it. He told them, he said, I got hundreds of other kids out here. And if you don't do what's told, there are consequences, like doing push-ups, like running laps. So if you're not participating in my drill or you messing up my drill, I'm going to tell you to get out my drill. And so he supposedly told the boy, get the F out my drill. Because the boy was goofing off. And you taking up time uh, where another kid can be getting quality reps. And I feel him on that all day long. I remember, um, I think it was my second year at Terry Parker High School here in Jacksonville. And I had this kid who, he was so lazy. He was so lazy. Wasn't that athletic. Wasn't big. Wasn't fast. Wasn't strong. And I have no I have no problem with kids. You know, you ain't got to be big, fast, and strong to play, you know, this game. You know, technique is everything. And being a smart, heady football player can get you a long way. But you culminate all of that. Not big, not fast, not strong, with lazy. That's oh man, get off my field. 
So every day he come to practice and tell me he want to run tight end because, oh, coach, I got hands I can catch. Boy can't catch. So he's sitting on the sidelines. I ain't putting him in. You're not getting on my field. Because as soon as I put you on the field, you're going to run the wrong play or somebody going to knock you out. And now that's on my conscience because we got the ambulance on the field because I put radio on the field and he got knocked out. I'm not having it. So his mom comes up to the school and she's like, well, he tells me that, you know, you don't let him practice and you're not um, you're not coaching him and you be yelling at him. And so I, right then and there, I was like, OK, so he hasn't told you everything that goes on to practice. So I called out a play. I can't remember what play. It was like 32 power I something. And it was a play that was supposed to go to the right. And I said, when I call this play, which side is it going to? Uh, he had he had a 50% chance of getting it right. He could have said left. And he would have been wrong. But he, he didn't even try. He just, uh, I said, see, man, he don't even know. I called out a defensive play. And what are you supposed to do? He could not tell her. And so right then and there, she understood. It's like, okay, you got me up here looking like a fool because you don't want to do what you're supposed to do. Can't advocate for you if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And then after that, the dad, of course, the dad understood. He he was laughing. He understood. And he knew what was up. And so after that, she goes, now, what's this nickname y'all got for him? I was like, a nickname? She's like, yeah. He said, you call him ass back. I was like, oh. I was like, you never heard of that? I said, yeah. That's when he tried to grab his helmet and run onto the field on game day. I told hey, get your ass back on the bench. Of course, um, she didn't like that. You know, the dad, he was rolling. He was in stitches. But, of course, she didn't like that. So, I understand what Mar- Marshawn was going through. Now, one of my, my little brother's coaches growing up, his name was Ivory Durham. He's head of the MOT Cowboys. One of the best, you know, youth football teams in Northeast Florida, or Florida period. And I'll never forget that first in my brother's first training camp. Um, my dad came up there all upset because um, his son was wrestling with another player because it was raining and they had stopped practice. And so, you know, they wrestling like in the mud. He's like, man, cut all that out. You ain't finna be out here getting hurt, da da da. And so Coach Ivory Coach went off on him. He's like, listen here, if you don't want your sugar to get hurt, get your sugar off the field. And dude started going there. He said, I said, if you don't want your sugar to get hurt, get your sugar off the field. And that's, that, that has stayed with me till this day. This ain't a game. I mean, it's, it is a game, but this is serious. People are trying to hurt you on every single play. Kids think it's a fashion show. They just they they see the helmets, they see the pads, they see the gloves, they see the under armor, they see the cleats, and they just want to get out there and look pretty. You see them fixing their gloves and their socks, and they got their towels and their bandanas on. And then as soon as the whistle blown and the ball is kicked off, and somebody get hit hard, and you hear the ooh from the crowd, they looking around like. Oh, we playing football today. Oh, they hitting, hitting. Yeah, son, that's what they doing. And that's one thing that the moms, the moms have to understand that. You can't protect him. 
You put him in. As soon as, every time he puts that helmet on, he's in harm's way. So one of my favorite coaches I coached with was a former Jaguars player. Um, I think it's Marlis Leroy. We called him Coach Leroy. And Coach Leroy had a saying, hit him in the mouth. Hit him till they gums bleed. Hit him till they mama come on the field and say, stop hitting my baby. And then hit her too. Now to switch gears, and we're going to go to the NBA. Um, it's not much going on in the NBA, but, man, they got to talk about LeBron James. Now, I didn't get a chance to talk about um, LeBron because it's, it's been about a, about a week and a half or maybe two weeks. Um, people criticizing him for his behavior at his son's AAU basketball game. I mean, into that, I mean, I mean, really, really don't have to go back and forth with that because it's simple. Shut up. It's not your son. He's not your dad. That's one thing you don't do, man. You don't count people's pockets. You don't tell people how to raise their children. Like, you don't, you don't, those, those are things that you don't do. So what? The only people opinion of LeBron and his antics at an AAU game that his son is playing at, the only people opinion that matters is his sons, his son's teammates, and the parents of those teammates. And all of them have come out and said they absolutely love LeBron James. Mm, newsflash. Come on, man. How can it get much better than that, man? You kid playing in the AAU basketball game and LeBron James is on the court with you? Man, please. People just people need things to complain about, man. He's the most scrutinized athlete probably of all time because he came up in the social media age, man. Social media has turned people into bullies. This keyboard makes people feel empowered because they know they'll never have to face you. At least that's what they think. And they'll never say those things to your face. But man, it's 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 crazy. Talking about a man and how he deal with his son and at an AU basketball game. Come on, man. I ain't spending too much time on that, man. Cut that out. But what I will spend some time on is this traitorous turncoat Brutus former Cleveland Cavaliers and current New Orleans Pelicans GM, David Griffin. Now, David Griffin uh, did an article with Sports Illustrated where they interviewed him, and he really he should have been talking about the New Orleans Pelicans, and that's all. He shouldn't have spoke on LeBron James whatsoever. And if you do, you know, talk about, you know, the good times you had, the championship you won in 16, and keep it pushing. But no, no. This dude had to take a dump on LeBron. So, just give you a little bit of an excerpt. He says, everything we did was so inorganic and unsustainable and, frankly, not fun. I was miserable. Literally, the moment we won the championship, I knew I was going to leave. There was no way I was going to stay for any amount of money. Like, what, what, what does that even mean? Like, it was inorganic? Because he talked about having to build a team around LeBron 
how LeBron basically had one-year contracts. So basically, yo, if you didn't build and you weren't trying to win a championship, LeBron was out. You can't blame LeBron James for that because think about it. Why did he come back to Cleveland? He came back to win a championship, and he promised the people of Cleveland that he would do so. And no matter how much he wanted to, if the front office, if the owner and Dan Gilbert and them were not committed to that, it was not going to happen. So that was his priority, was to make sure that winning was first and winning was most important because winning isn't always important to sports owners. It's not. Sports owners, majority of them, don't make their money from their teams. Now, their teams turn a profit, but their money is in other fields. Their sports franchises, it's a plaything. It's a hobby. It's a toy. That's what it is. So winning isn't important to all of them. It's not. So LeBron, just that's some insurance to let you know, say, hey, you, if you the day you're not about winning, I'm out. How is that a bad thing? I'm not understanding. But supposedly it made it, it stressed them out. And boo-hoo. You had to build a team around the greatest player to ever bounce a basketball to win a title. Boo-hoo. Don't feel sorry for no uh, David Griffin. Oh, another excerpt. He said, the reason is LeBron is getting all of the credit and none of the blame. And that's not fun for people. They don't like being part of that world. Oh, are you serious? Dude, all you got to do is go back and listen to anything Skip Bayless has been on. And they could be talking about cricket. They could be talking about foosball. They could be talking about golf. Talk about motorboat racing. Uh, They could be talking about monster trucks. And Skip would find a reason to bring LeBron's name in the middle of it and criticize LeBron James. And that's just one person. LeBron has plenty of detractors and people who criticize his every single move. Oh, and I can't forget that he also questioned LeBron's hunger and drive to win another title. Like, are you serious? Saying that he didn't have the same... I guess, um, motivation to win a title. I guess after he won in 2016, it's like, dude, are you serious? Dude, he came back from Miami and took you to four straight finals, averaged a triple double in the 2016 finals. And then in the 2017 playoffs had one of the greatest runs by a basketball player. In a postseason that I had ever seen in my life. So, dude, David Griffin is, is this is hilarious. This is absolutely hilarious. So, basically, what what David Griffin basically said is that working with LeBron sucked, and it killed his love for the sport. That's basically what he's saying. And of course. Uh, LeBron's camp were shocked by it because I thought they were cool. I thought I thought Griff, I thought, hey, I thought they were, I thought they were cool. 
Thought they had an amicable relationship, uh, maybe. The LeBron's camp, they're like, man, you know, this this came out of left field. And supposedly, like a few weeks before this article came out, uh, David Griffin reached out to LeBron to help him promote uh, David Griffin's wife, uh, Vineyard. She opened a vineyard and wanted to help Le- uh, wanted LeBron to help promote it. What? You have got to be kidding me. So of course he comes out and he says that you know some of the con- some of it was taken out of context, context, and some of the things were missing behind his comments, and he was gonna clear it up. And he cleared it up to a certain extent, but I'm like Shannon Sharp. I didn't believe any of it. I didn't. I felt like he got a whole lot of backlash, and he moonwalked right back out of those comments. But the damage is done. It's already been said. Toothpaste is out the tube. So now, LeBron going sicko mode next year. It's happening. Now I got people doubting him. People saying he's old. He's never going to be the same. People think he's going to get hurt again. Doesn't have drive to win championship. KD said it's a toxic environment around him. You know, all of these detractors. Oh, Clippers are better, so now they got to worry about the Clippers. He's not even the, the focal point um, of the city he's in. Now they're talking about Kawhi Leonard being better than him. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. So if LeBron needed motivation, if by any chance he needed motivation, he got it. <laughs> you got he got it. Because, dude, man, I mean, it's coming from all angles, too. Holy crap. They questioning his parenting. Now, David Griffin dumping on him. Skip Bayless won't shut up about him. People criticizing him. Saying he'll never bring a championship to L.A. Old. All of that. Man. Man, old man. But. Got to pay the cost. To be the boss. And last time I checked. LeBron James was doggone there worth a billion dollars. But, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time once again. Got to end the show. Got to go back to my life, which, you know, my life isn't so bad, you know. But being here and being in this moment and recording, man, it's, it's like an escape for me. Because so many things come up in my brain, so many scenarios play out, you know, so many things I want to talk about, you know, different ways I want to articulate it and get it out. I mean, like even if I decided I, you know, didn't want to talk about sports anymore, I would probably continue doing this and pick another topic. And if I were to have children one day, I would do a podcast and just basically talk to them you know as they get older as they grow and get older you know just do shows giving them advice and you know talk about them and their progression 
So once they come of age and they can understand, they can go back and listen to all of it. But guys, please like, share, and subscribe. Please do that for me. Liking, subscribing, and sharing takes a few clicks of a button. Help me grow this audience. You know, so hey, you can see me on TV one day, hear me on your local radio. Say, so, hey man, I know that dude. I remember when he was recording out of a classroom on a college campus. Hey, this is grassroots, man. It's humble beginnings. But don't forget, I'm on Castbox, Anchor, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public. Now, I'm still on YouTube, but it's only my first 11 episodes up there. I got to get some video editing software because the one I was using, I was just on a free trial. And it's hard to find, you know, video editing software free that's quality. So hopefully, you know, get that rectified and I can get the rest of the episodes back up on YouTube. But until then, I will talk to you guys later. Peace.